loneliness, companionship, plus understanding, plus assurance, plus joy, plus despair, plus altruism, divided by respect, divided by domination. Hello and welcome to Key Back Issue Podcast, where we talk about comics that are important from the birth of comics through the Bronze Age and sometimes beyond. I am one of your hosts, Callie. And I'm two of your hosts, Spencer. (laughs) And Douglas. (laughs) And Doug. And Doug. Yeah. Welcome to our show. We're so glad that you joined us today. Um, we, um, as Kelly mentioned, we're a podcast that um, likes to pick out um, certain issues that uh, of comics from um, our history from before they started sucking, right? Yep. yep. And uh, and just uh, pick them out, review them, and explain why they're uh, important. And um, this week, um, our decision was sadly influenced. By the passing of Mr. Steve Ditko. Yeah, the co-creator of Spider-Man, co-creator of Captain Atom, The Question, uh, Blue Beetle, Ted Cord version, um, Creeper, uh, Mr. A. So he's uh, he's done a lot of stuff that maybe some people don't know about, um, but we're going to talk about Steve Ditko and his contrib- contribution to comics as a medium um, through Marvel and DC primarily and then uh, some other companies like Charlton. So how did this news hit you, man? So I was uh, driving home, and I got a text message. Um, so I looked at it. <laughs> you pulled over first. <laughs> pulled over first. Yeah. And it was you. And you're like, oh, man, they found Steve Ditko. I'm like, what? No. And, um, yeah, and then so I looked at social media like one would. And uh, lo and behold, Steve Ditko uh, was found dead in his apartment a couple days after he had passed away. So he's found on June 29th. Uh, as of the recording of this episode, it's July 9th. And this news didn't come out until, like, the 7th or something? 6th yeah. or 7th? So, yeah. It, it, so nobody really knew about it for about a week. And, yeah, he was found a couple of days after, which is kind of sad, dude. It's sad that, like, the dude who created Spider-Man dies... For two days in his apartment and nobody knows about it right i i thought the same thing like how how depressing um and as i said before you know i and i don't want to go too far into this but i uh, i can't help but draw parallels uh between bob kane bill finger and stan lee and steve ditko um and kind of the situation that bill finger uh, had passed away um broke and and alone and now steve ditko broken alone yeah, no, it's true, dude. A lot of um, it, it's really weird because um, during that time that he was making comics, comics were not um, well. Actually, he was making them forever. He made them clear into the '90s, from what I understand. But um, but at the time where he was doing the Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and things, comics were looked on as as kind of a lesser art form. But now, I mean, they're huge, right? Like Spider-Man is probably the biggest character other than like batman maybe right and uh worldwide yeah and this the dude that created him you know just uh, died and you know nobody even knew about it but it's interesting because I, I mean i think we can get into this here we, we sure. can use a little bit of time for this but like what's interesting is um he didn't want the limelight right 
Right. He was kind of a recluse. He was, um, there's only like four or five images that exist of him at all. Um, and because he, you know, he just was a recluse. He, when he did his art, he would bring it into the Marvel bullpen, drop it off, get his next assignment, go back home. Nobody would see him until he did his next thing, really, you know. And he um, was just, I, I heard a quote one time where, uh, from him asking why he wouldn't do interviews or make appearances. And he said something to the effect of, I, I don't know word for word, but the idea is that he said he, that this people shouldn't be a fan of him. They should be a fan of Spider-Man, his creation, or, you know, Doctor Strange or whatever. He couldn't understand why people would be interested in the man who created the, this stuff, you know. And it's it's a shame because, really, he's only done a handful of interviews his entire life, and nobody really does know anything about him, um, and because of his stance on that. And and I I partly kind of respect that. It's like okay, it's not about him. Basically, he was saying it's not about me. It's about my art, right? Right. And I think that that's kind of cool, but. Anything that you're into, any art you're into, I, I think it's a natural thing to want to know more about the person who created it. Right, because you want to know where they come from, kind of their stance, whether it's political, uh, religious, um, or um, any kind of, you know, kind of where they're coming from as an individual. And so, I, and I can understand and respect the fact that he didn't want to be necessarily famous for it, but it's just sad that he, you know, um, to my understanding, he was broke. And that, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he died alone. I mean, it, it probably took for his neighbors to smell him before they came and found it. And I'm not yeah. trying to be funny, you know, but, right. but that's, it's just a sad reality that, that someone so, um, so monumental in the comics medium to die that way, um, yeah. is, is really a shame. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, yeah, he, he didn't really want to be out there in the limelight. Right. Um, yeah, it's um, uh, if you guys get a chance and if you haven't already seen it, you can go on YouTube. There's a documentary done by um, Jonathan Ross for the BBC um, called "In Search of Steve Ditko," uh, where he's talking. He talks about the importance of Steve Ditko, and he literally goes looking for him because, like I said, there's not a lot um, known about Steve Ditko. Um, he is able to finally meet him and talk to him, but Steve Ditko didn't want to do it. Um, uh, on camera so you don't get to see it but uh they did get to talk to him and stuff which was which was kind of cool and he uh, they said that he was really sweet he was really nice so like yeah i mean this is the type of dude i want to know more about you know it's like what type of dude is like really nice really cordial it doesn't want any spotlight for one of the greatest like uh, you know one of the biggest comic book characters ever to me that's intriguing but he doesn't right. want to let us in on that so yeah yeah what which is, yeah, I mean, it, it would have been cool to uh, meet him at some point and just kind of, like, pick his mind, you know? Right. Um, but it's, yeah, it's sad that, that uh, we, we've lost a titan. Yeah, dude, he really was. I mean, he was so important to comics. The stuff, the stuff that he did, he was the almost, in a way, uh, like the, the anti-Kirby. Like, but, like, on close to the same level of, as of importance. I'll never put anybody on the same level of importance Kirby. as Kirby. <laughs> yeah. But he was close to it. But he was just like the anti He was stuff was just so low-key. Like, um, I mean, he definitely had, um, like, some action and feeling in his panels. But his character, you know, 
the way he drew was just so um it wasn't so exaggerated it. it wasn't in your face yeah, yeah like kirby was yeah right and um yeah i mean the way he drew like uh, when we're going to review amazing fantasy number 15 the first appearance of spider-man and the way he drew peter parker like i dude i think it holds up so well like it looks the drawings are awesome you know some some older drawings can kind of seem dated um you know like any drawings do like a lot of the 90s stuff seems really dated you know like Definitely. so a lot of the 60s stuff also seems dated but i can look at his stuff and really appreciate it it almost has kind of an underground comics feel to to the way the drawings were because they weren't they weren't pretty they weren't i mean i can see a direct line to something like frank quietly for example from steve ditko you know it's right. not anything that's super heroic and pretty but it's intriguing to look at yeah, it definitely um, catches your eye. I mean, and if and the thing is, is I mean, you can tell, you know, Steve Ditko from. I mean, he definitely has his own style, um, and like you said, does definitely does have like an underground feel to it, um, more like an indie book would be. Right. Um, yes. But um, yeah. So and then Doctor Strange. Uh, we've mm-hmm. been talking about Spider Man, but Doctor Strange is is another one that's more relevant now than he's ever been ever just because he has a movie you know and he's in the avengers which in my opinion is one of the less uh good of the marvel movies but uh (laughs) but i mean it's still okay and it's but people know who dr strange is now which is cool right right and his dr strange stuff was insane dude steve dicko didn't do any drugs but it looked like he did and all of the hippies all the druggies were into dr strange just because it was so out there it was so tripped out yeah definitely and people asked um steve dicko like if he if he ever did drugs and they he said no and they said well then how did you come up with this stuff and he says i just think about it really hard basically is what he said he just he really thinks and puts thought into what he's drawing and then that's you know he can come up with like just the trippiest stuff yeah in fact um I'm actually looking at uh, the origin of Doctor Strange um, with Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Uh, and there's a gentleman that's uh, being held. Uh, it's actually um, Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange. But he's being held by lightning, um, which is really interesting to think about. Like the, the feet, the hands, and, and around his mouth. He says lightning uh, captive. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing to understand, and if you're listening to this, you, you probably already know, but if you don't, um, the way that Stan Lee worked um, back in these days in the 60s, and I think probably the rest of his life, um, is, is he um, would come up with a plot, sometimes a paragraph, sometimes a few pages, sometimes a sentence, um, and he would give it to the artist. The artist would basically come up with everything the the panel to panel layouts what's going to happen to each panel each page the pacing all of that so basically 95 percent of the stuff was done by the artists and then afterwards stanley would come basically like a mad libs book and just fill in like yeah Yeah. the dialogue for the stuff and and it worked i can understand why he did it because you know he quote unquote wrote probably like you know 20 books 25 books a month so i can understand why he did it but it's important to understand that the artist that was doing these books, whether it be Jack Kirby or John Bushima or, you know, Steve Ditko, they had a lot more to do than just drawing whatever they were told to draw. Right. Um, this is also called, uh, known as uh, the Marvel Method. Right. Um, and, and so um, as they would create the books, that 
the artists really had to be good at telling stories sequentially um, and being able to convey storytell through pictures. Um, not only do they have to be good artists and um, you know make the book look appealing, but they also had to be able to tell the story just through imagery because the words weren't there yet. And we're going a little bit long on this intro, but um, it is... Um like I said, it's kind of important because as Steve Ditko um, has passed, but uh, one thing that I think is interesting is in that documentary, that In Search of Steve Ditko, um, there's a big thing, there's a big, they talk about the controversy, there was a controversy between Stan Lee and Steve Ditko over who actually created Spider-Man. Stan Lee, he's, everybody knows him, he's the poster boy for Marvel, he's He's a you know glory hog. He loves all the glory, right? And, yeah, and that's okay. And, <laughs> to put it mild. and to tell you the truth, I think it's uh, it's deserved. I I think he did a lot for it. Um, I, I for comics in general and for the characters. I don't think fleshing them out and you know making them believable characters was necessarily the thing he did. But he was the ambassador of comics, and he always will be. And he did more for comics, like bringing them into the mainstream than anybody yeah um, making more pop culture right yeah um and making comics i, I don't want to say irrelevant because that's the wrong term but like letting people know that like comics aren't just for kids right like it's um he i think he was a big advocate advocate for for comics as a whole medium um and to be respected as a true art form as opposed to like just something that kids read right so the the controversy comes from Stanley going around saying I created Spider Man. He he would say that all the time. I created Spider Man, um, and like he he used to go do college tours and he would do talks to colleges and stuff. And yeah, he on those tours he would always say when I created Spider Man, blah blah blah. And the way that um, Spider Man was created um, was uh, uh, as far as I know the story is he would come he came to Steve Ditko and he said hey I've got an idea for a character named Spider-Man. Um, that's Steve Ditko's version that you're showing yeah, me. But yep, I know. Yeah, yeah, so Stanley <laughs> came to him and he said, I've got a, an idea for a character named Spider-Man. Um, and uh, there was maybe a couple more things that he said in addition to that, right? Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly, but I... For, according oh, but to he's Stanley, like a teenager. He's, yeah, yeah, teenager with some, uh, with some angst and um, something about... Did he say something about like the, the spider suit too? I want to say that he claim, uh, claimed to have some input in t as far as the way he looked. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. He may, he may have claimed that. But anyway, so the controversy is Steve Ditko obviously doesn't like that because Steve Ditko did come up with the look. The artist, I would say 99.99% .99 of the time, the artist is the one who comes up with the actual look of the character. Right. Um, and so he took issue with that, obviously. Plus, like we said, Stan Lee would come up with him with to him with a paragraph, say here, uh, turn this into a story, and then Steve Ditko was the one that like literally made him like you know the day to day, the panel to panel stuff, and so Steve Ditko took some issue with that, and Stan Lee had the hardest time ever admitting that mm -hmm. uh, Steve Ditko did it. He wrote a letter to Steve Ditko, um, saying you know you can show this to anybody, and it said in the letter, I consider Steve Ditko to be one of, or to be the co-creator of Spider Man, and Steve Ditko didn't like that because. He didn't say Steve Jaco is the co-creator of Spider-Man. He said, I consider. said, I consider, yeah. Yes. And then on this documentary I was talking about, In Search of Steve Ditko, Stan Lee is even pressed there like by Jonathan Ross. He says, yeah. okay, tell me right now, 
did Steve Ditko co-create Spider-Man? And Steve and Stanley couldn't say it. He couldn't do it. He he just said, you know what? If he wants to be the co-creator of Spider-Man, then he is. And that's basically. But he, he just said, no. I feel like it's the guy who came up with the idea, is the one who created it. And I can kind of you know. I used to be a Stanley hater, and I can kind of see Stanley's point. If he's the one that really came up with, say, let's have a teenager with problems be called Spider-Man, he has the powers of a spider. I can kind of see Stanley's side of him saying he created that, but the fact is, the book became wildly successful, and it wasn't just because of that to those three three sentences that he said to Steve. Right, Ditko, a right? lot of it was the the action sequence, the the type of things that that um, Steve Ditko drew, um, making the iconic, you know, uh, the eyes with no pupils, and uh, dude, the costumes uh, like nothing else. Like, yeah, there's like nothing, yeah, to exactly. this day, there's no superheroes that look like that. Right, with we're, the webbing, we're so yeah. used to it because we've seen it so much and it's iconic. But dude, like. I could tell you, like, I, I'm a wannabe artist at times, and drawing Spider-Man is not easy, dude, because you've got to get his webbing drawn on there and have it not conflict with the lines, like, around his neck or, like, any other, like, contour lines. You have to make those lines separate, and it's not easy to draw. And no super... Every superhero is basically, like, solid colors. There's right. nobody that has, like, an actual design drawn into their suit. Right. And, um, yeah, so, you know... it. Steve Ditko's contribution to Spider-Man, I, you know, I would say is just as important as Stanley's. I, I mean, yes, yeah, Stanley came up with the idea of the teenager, powers of a spider, whatnot. But if the character looked lame, I mean, this is their last ditch effort to make a superhero before Stanley gives up, right? I mean, right. Um, you know, like. And so if he didn't make – if Steve Ditko didn't make him look the way that he looks, I don't think Spider-Man would have been as successful as, as he was. Okay. Well, let's go into our review since okay. we're about here. Sounds Thank good. You. Yep. Okay. So on to the review. Um, for this episode, we're going to review Amazing Fantasy number 15. This was actually the first issue where it was called Amazing Fantasy. Do you know what it was called before? Um, Amazing Fantasies. Mm. <laughs> Fantasaurs. <laughs> um, no, uh, before this it was called Amazing Adult Fantasy. Oh, that's yeah. right, yes. And uh, it's funny because they did that because like, if you're a kid, you're going you know, to want to pick up a book that says adult because you think it's more sophisticated. It wasn't, right. But... With today's parlance, uh, I was gonna say, it was, sounds was like it's supposed to be like a porn, yeah. right? amazing adult fantasies. Yeah, <laughs> but back then it was a, a cleaner, more innocent time, dude. So, adult fantasies just meant oh, because like I can see if like you were ten or eleven, you're like oh, I don't like kid stuff anymore. I'll pick yeah. up this one that says I want adult. adult. Yeah. Well, apparently it didn't work out for him, so they ended up removing adult for this issue. Okay. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh, and then um, before. Amazing Adult Fantasies. It was called uh, Amazing Adventures. So it started out Amazing Adventures. And to my knowledge, Steve Ditko was with it throughout the, that whole time. And what this comic was, basically, it was it was an anthology comic. Um, a lot of, every one of the early publishers would do this. They would try out stories in anthology comics before giving them, like, their own thing, right? Yeah, to see if it would sell and, and see what they could do with it. Um, so they had... Um, you know, and I don't, I don't 
<clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they had superheroes in Amazing Fantasy or Amazing Adult Fantasy until Spider-Man. I think before that, it was all like uh, mystery or like horror right. or um, sci-fi. But I think um, Spider-Man, uh, I, I believe, was the first superhero to be premiered in an Amazing Fantasy uh, storybook. Right. Yeah, I think I, I haven't read them all, but... It, it feels like it because the other stories that were in the original or in the Amazing Fantasy fifteen are not superhero stories. They're they're like you know EC type horror stories with like an O Henry ending. Um, but what's cool about this is like it's cool to go back and look at this. And Spider Man was in this anthology comic. He could have just ended up being nothing, a throwaway thing, you know. In these in a lot of these stories. A lot of these anthologies, you saw a story and you never saw it again. Right, and that's kind of what it was. It was a way to try out new things. If it caught on, then obviously they'd they'd make more of of the same. But but if it didn't catch on, it was no big deal because they're trying, you know, four or five, maybe four different stories in a single issue, you know. Um, and so you know, like we like I talked about earlier, we said um, you know like kind of Stan Lee's last ditch effort to create something that he loved. Um, this was it. I mean. Spider-Man was kind of like I'm gonna either do comics or I'm gonna move on to woodworking, right? Or something like that. Working his wood. Working his wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the opening page starts out Spider-Man. There's like a really awesome, like creepy Spider-Man up in the corner, dude. That he's like all like hunched over, like he's a spider. And this is your first introduction to him in costume, and it's just this little like thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I love how like sparse it is at the top. It's like just all white above the splash page, and it just says Spider-Man with an exclamation point. He has a hyphen. He's always had the hyphen. Uh-huh. Can't forget the hyphen, dude. Nope. Hate Definitely when people not. don't put the hyphen. In I know. There. Don't put it all yeah. in one word. Yeah, like, dude. S- spider. Yeah. Man. If it's one word, it's Spider-Man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, he, he, we're not talking about Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so he's up there, but and then down below, dude. It's like it starts out with like the sad like. It's like the saddest thing. You, you you see Peter Parker standing all alone. All alone with books in his hand, staring at the group of cool kids, right? Yeah, and he's like looking at them as if he wished he could be one of them. Yeah, he longs to be over there. And the way Dicko drew it, he draws this. It's funny, um this face that he drew in uh on the very first time you see Peter Parker. Uh-huh. It's like this forlorn face, like the sad face um uh, wishing that, you know that he was anybody else besides himself, basically. Right. Um, but uh, on the first time he introduced Hawk and Dove, um, Dove has that almost exact same face on. Dude. Oh, really? It's really weird. Yeah. yeah. In fact, he drew him a lot like that. And and uh, Kelly and I were talking earlier that we think that like he drew Peter Parker to basically as himself, right? Yeah. It looks like yeah. If you look at some, if you can find his photos, which you just Google image, Steve Ditko. Um, Spelled D I T K O, not D I C K O. Yeah, Steve Dicko. Yeah, where the C K is another guy. Is it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Steve O is another guy too. <laughs> um, it, uh, Peter Parker looks like as if he did um, self-portrait. Uh, to me, it looks that way, and yeah. I think Spence agrees to that fact. Yeah, it does seem like that. So basically, he's looking over the cool kids, and it's funny because they say uh, in this. They say, you know, we need another person for the dance. Yeah. Like, is this dance just going to be eight people? And, and here's the other thing: is there's exactly <laughs> three boys and three girls in this group. So, I don't understand why they say they need another person for the dance. Yeah, they have enough people. Yeah, there's three girls. Uh, yeah. it, considering that person right there is probably a girl. A girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then there's three guys, 
and they're saying, you know, we got to go to a dance, but we need one more person. I don't know why would they need another person. Like to DJ? Maybe to DJ or to like <laughs> spill the punch on, you know. Oh, yeah. like, you know oh, they don't yeah. want to spill the punch on themselves, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they offer, they say, oh, what about Peter? And they're like, that bookworm, he wouldn't know a cha-cha from a waltz. Because <laughs> that's what the cool kids did back then. Like, they waltz and cha-cha, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Now all the guys who are waltzing and cha-chaing are the Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> and so they talk about him being the wallflower of the school. And then, uh, so the next day he wakes up. And, and the thing is, is like the teachers, his Aunt May, or Aunt May, and Uncle Ben think he's like the cat's pajamas. Like, they think mm. he's like the coolest kid. I think that's why this is so good, actually, because they set it up like... His home life is so good. Like they love him, and they're they have permagrins on, dude. Like honestly, oh yeah, totally. Like, every, every time you see him, like even later, you mm-hmm. see him on a few pages, dude. And they've got that same smile, dude. They they look like robots. They look like oh, yeah. androids that are walking. Yeah. Hey Peter, we have your breakfast. <laughs> exactly. That's what yeah. you like. And they're scary looking to me because they don't stop smiling, and they're all these old two old people, dude. I think even when Uncle Ben was shot, he was smiling. <laughs> dude. Hey Peter, want to play catch? <laughs> and so yeah, so anyway, but yeah, I think it's actually really cool that they do that. So they they start out. What what was revolutionary about Spider Man is that prior to this. They were all super heroic, right? So, like, right now we take it for granted um, that Peter Parker was a loser or whatever. But, like, first time, dude, you didn't see this. Like, everybody was heroic. Like, yeah, to, you know, no flaws. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Bruce Wayne was, like, a millionaire, right? Like, right. Um, he got, he got, he was rolling a puss, right? Right, yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden you see this guy. And the first time you see him, He's just standing away from the crowd, looking so like so sad. This and, weakling loser. Yeah, and I think that that's what like made this catch on. I mean, if you're reading for this for the first time, you've never seen something like this before. Right, and um, you know that's one thing I think appealed to readers is that it's relatable. It's it's not just like a guy from Krypton, you know, because none of us are aliens. Well, some of you might be. Um, okay, Trump. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, the <laughs> wall. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know how many of you out here are listening are millionaires, but, you know, if you are, there's Patreon subscription available. <laughs> um, you know, but these guys, uh, you know, Peter Parker was a flawed individual. He was a regular dude that was, a, you know, just lonesome. He was really smart, intelligent, but, you know, like, couldn't. A loser. He was yeah, like a yeah, big exactly. time dork, right? Yeah. Like, he had no friends at all. Right. Right, so yep. it was a lot like me. Well, even yeah, well, no, because you have some friends. Well, now I do, but yes, at that time yeah. I didn't. True. Yeah. Um, so you know, like yeah, you know, he tries to get people to go to this science experiment thing with him, and that's why he's got no friends, dude. Right? I know. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it yeah. is. It's, it's yeah. They all want to go to a dance, and he's like, "Hey, would you guys like to go to the science experiment?" Exactly. And they're like, "No, you loser." And so he's like upset, but then you know he gets there and forgets about being a loser. And how cool radioactive spiders are. <laughs> yeah, so the, the experiment he went is called Experiments in Radioactivity. That was a science exhibit he yeah. went to. And, dude, I mean, this is, like, a different time. So, like, they just, like, didn't, like, safeguard radioactive stuff at all, right? So it's just, like, Everybody's, oh, they're yeah. standing right next to this machine that radiates, like, poison. It's like an x-ray machine that, like, yeah. you don't have to wear a lead shield for. Um, anyway, the spider crawls down and gets zapped. And you guys know the rest. Bites him. Yeah. So um, one thing that's interesting about this is um, 
every time you've seen it in the movies and stuff, uh, he gets bitten by a spider and he starts not feeling good or whatever. And then like every single time he's basically fallen asleep and he's woken up like the next day. And then that's when he has his powers. With this one, he has his powers walking out of the science center. That's what I thought was interesting is I was so used to the movie versions, you know, that's like it takes some time to generate. But basically, he walks literally outside. He says he's not feeling well. And then he gets startled by a car. He jumps onto a building. And, and, and he is able to grab it. Yeah. What I think is interesting, too, and I don't know if this is how it is in the original. I have a reprint uh, version. I don't have the original Amazing Fantasy number 15, sad to say. Oh, dude, I'll lend you mine. Okay, sweet. I, I'll lend you mine. I've got it under my uh, coffee cup right now. So. <laughs> okay. Um, but the fing- his fingertips are like a white color, where the rest of them are a, you know, like a Caucasian color. Um, and I think that's signifying that he has the ability to stick at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're like you know, sticky fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like, it's, well, he says he, that his fingers and tips are charged with energy. And yeah. so that's what that is, is it's showing off the energy. So then he uh, climbs the wall and he can climb it faster than you can say uh, paper or something like that. Nope. I don't know how he says it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. I reached the rooftop in just a few seconds. That's what's this? I crushed a steel pipe as though it were paper. Yeah. I combined those two word bubbles together. <laughs> I climbed a wall faster than paper. <laughs> what does that mean, dude? Dude, that's like <laughs> saying like, oh, dude, that guy is stronger than broccoli. <laughs> so uh, he crushes a steel pipe and then climbs down. He and um, there's an image. It's the middle panel. Uh, he's climbing like a spider down a wire. Um, and on the way home, he realizes he could be, you know, a, a wrestler because there's a, a $100 prize. So why not make some money? Let, why not exploit the uh, superpower? Um, dude, gained? I don't know if this is... Um, uh, where was it? It was one of the first ones. Okay, yeah, dude. So it was one of the first uh, pages after he's oh, getting... Yeah, dude. Yeah. After he's getting, like, pe- the cool crowd is making fun of him. He says... Someday I'll show them. Sob. <laughs> He's sobbing. <laughs> Someday they'll be sorry. Sorry that they laughed at me. Dude, that sounds like a villain, dude. Dude, talking, I know. Right? I, it, what's funny is I actually thought that when I was reading this. I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, dude, this is like a school. Yes, school. Can't say that. No, I'm not you going to. But I just said, so I'm going to say school. Let you think about what I'm about to say. <laughs> yeah. but, but this is like like villainous and so i am back surprised in the 60s they became superheroes dude yeah that's what they did when I, they were mad right but that's what's so surprising to me is that he has such a um like a like anger in that voice i mean you can when you read it you can tell i mean his face is just you know scrunched because he's pissed off yeah and then he gets this power and and he can crush steel but he doesn't go crush flash thompson's skull he decides to use it for good well, not necessarily, not yet. No, no, oh yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, not yet. So yeah. right now, he, he basically he says, "I have time to. Th- I have to think. I've got to come up with a plan to see what um, unbelievable ability, uh, you know, what to do with this unbelievable ability." So, the first thing he does, I love this actually, dude. This is one of my favorite parts about the Spider-Man story is that he wants. He first goes to a wrestling match, right? Right. And so he stops by one. He just happens to walk past one, like they're happening all the time in New York City in the '60s. And then he's like, dude, I could do this. So he goes home and gets himself a costume. And one thing that I didn't remember about is that he doesn't actually come up with the Spider-Man costume yet. Um, He just gets his old clothes for some reason because he knew he'd get sweaty, I guess, with the big wrestlers. And then he gets this, like, uh, 
tablecloth around his face or or nylon or something i can't tell what it is but uh what's burlap sack yeah yeah basically (laughs) it is i think it is actually so he's in a a white turtleneck and jeans and he still has his dress shoes on and uh and then he's yeah just got this burlap sack around his head (laughs) and dude he he owns this wrestler right yeah takes him on lifts him up the guy's like put me down you win so then this like um you know mogul of wrestling uh, is like, oh, I could really use this guy smoking a cigar, you know, and uh, yeah, so he's basically the like, promoter, right? Yeah, he so he decides to to uh, I think he tries to hire uh, Spider-Man. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, I, I got to backtrack a little oh, that's bit. Cool. Um, is uh, he basically came up with the idea to cover? So that was one we didn't talk about. Uh, Spider-Man's whole face was covered. You didn't see this on a lot of heroes. Like, they either had their face totally uncovered or, like, they were wearing a cowl like Batman does where the bottom part was uncovered, right? Right. But his whole face is covered. And right here he says the reason why. He says, i got to put on some old clothes and leave my glasses here. But but what if I fail? I don't want to be a laughingstock. I'll have to find some way to disguise myself. So, dude, that just adds to, like, the loserness of him, right? Like, he was so scared to be embarrassed. That's why he was wearing... A mask over his whole face. Is right. He was scared of failing and being embarrassed and looking like a loser. Yeah, and I th- so it went to his core. Like even though he, you know, was able, to, you know, he knew that he could crush steel, uh, like paper. You know, like he was still afraid to fail, and so he wanted to cover because he didn't. He had already been so tortured that he didn't want to like fall farther into the nerd. Right. Yeah, so he was just so self-conscious of himself that, like, he literally wanted to hide his face, which is, like, crazy to me. Because, you know, basically people say the reason why superheroes hide their faces is because they don't want to hurt their loved ones or whatever. And Spider-Man even went into that eventually because they didn't want to affect, you know, Aunt May. You know, he didn't want the Green Goblin to come get Aunt May, so he didn't want anybody to know his identity. But it's really crazy that the reason he started this out, this whole thing out, was just because he was worried about looking stupid, basically. Right. And, and so he wore a mask over his whole face. So he makes a lot of money, right? Yep, makes money. Um, he decides to fashion together himself a spider suit, and then uh, he creates web shooters. I don't know, um, you know, how, what the time sequence is here, because it goes pretty quick. Um, it seems like it's all within the same day or two that he makes the web shooters and the costume. Um, and then he decides that he's going to try out, try it out. And he, the, the spider web is so strong because it, it's liquid cement. Yeah. Um, so he's able to shoot the liquid cement and grab the, grab the ceiling. And so then, when his sheets were really crusty, he said, just, I mean, it's, I'm just doing liquid cement. Exactly. It's making um, liquid cement. Experiments, I mean. Yeah. And then, uh, so he decides to go on Ed Sullivan's show. Um, so he's making TV appearances at this time. Um, so that's weird because it's yeah. like I didn't realize this because I haven't read the this origin story for a long time, and the origin story has been retold and redone so many times. But right. like he was literally just a TV star for a long time. Yeah, who just did like tricks basically. Right, and that's yeah. So he would do his. Uh, in fact, right here it's like, okay, Spider-Man, cut. That's enough. Don't show him too much. Leave him begging for more. So um, he basically is whoring himself out to TV stations, trying to make more money. And um, you know, he's being published in the, uh, in the newspaper, and he's like, his attitude completely changed now from being like a loner loser to like this like arrogant um, TV star. Um, at which point, um. There's a uh, thief 
that's running away and he doesn't and, and this is portrayed in the Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man a certain way that I, I really liked is how t he kind of like stepped back and let the guy run by so in this image um, or this panel he's just kind of standing there and then the cop comes up and he's like dude you could have just like tripped him but in my mind um, and I don't know if it's just because of the film or what but Spider-Man steps back and lets the thief just run past him Instead of instead of doing anything to stop him, he just is like, it's not my problem. You know? well, so as I was reading this today, I was trying to picture this in a real life scenario. Would a cop really want me to do that? Like, right, if a cop well, yeah. is like doing it, like chasing down somebody, would a cop want me to like try to help out? I don't think they would, dude. No, I think they'd get pissed at you. Yeah, they'd be like, hey, you're interfering with our investigation or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I I thought that was weird because the cop like totally gives him shit for not doing it. Right. So the guy gets the elevator, takes off, and then Peter gets home, and he's back to same old Peter. Like his his uh, uncle and aunt gave him a microscope. His, his robot uncle and aunt. Yeah. See their grin. There's a still. smiling still. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have no yeah. other expression. Here is a microscope, Peter. <laughs> you can use it for your memory unit. I just sounded like uh, the Richie Rich's robot dude. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? I can't. I forgot to Roboto. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't Mr. really Roboto, know. I don't really sure. know his name. <laughs> um. So, dude. So, um. Anyway. So he's doing his um TV stuff. You see these newspapers. Spider Man slated for new TV series. Um. I can only see that this is Stan Lee like hoping, dude, at the time. Cause, oh yeah. Dude, he was so at this time. He was so done with comics and wanted to be in Hollywood so bad, dude. He moved to California, at this time, and his whole plan during maybe not at this time. A little bit later, at the end of the 60s. His whole plan was to try to get Marvel movies made. And so, yeah, I got to say that, that was just him, like, yeah. wishful thinking. Showbiz Award, Pack the House, yeah. Who is the Spider-Man? And he just keeps making, like, he shoots webbing at this lady holding something up, you know. And So he gets home from a TV appearance <clears throat> and finds Uncle Ben shot. Now, this is weird because the policeman at that his um, aunt's house looks like Stan Lee without glasses and Peter Parker looks like Steve Ditko. That could be, but I'm going to tell you that Stan Lee, when he wrote this, didn't look like that. You're uh, yeah, comparing yeah, yeah. like like now, now Stan, Lee Stan Lee compared to, to yeah. that. Yeah, I think he looks more like Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> I think it's Commissioner Gordon. Um, but uh, in one panel, he doesn't have a mustache. But then he gets a mustache in that second. Yeah, panel. <laughs> it's it's really weird. Maybe it's the the recoloring yeah. of my my issue. So all of a sudden, Peter's pissed, and he's like, "I'm going to go catch this guy." And he's held up in a uh, in a warehouse, swinging, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the police don't want to go in because they're afraid this guy's gonna be able to shoot from a window and and shoot them all down. Spider Man's like, "F that! I'm so pissed! I'm coming after him." Um, he essentially catches the thief, uh, shoots the liquid cement over the gun, punches him out. Realizes it's the guy that he moved out of the way to let him get away. And he's like, what have I done? It's my fault. Um, which I... Um, basically, he webs him up, lets the cops get a hold of him, and then uh, decides that with great power comes great responsibility and decides to turn against evil uh, to right the wrong because of his Uncle Ben's uh, murder of, from this uh, thief. So... Um 
there's some things that's like this is actually a pretty heavy story, dude. Mm-hmm. It's weird because Definitely. parts of the story are so cheesy and cheeseball, but the overall idea of the story is like pretty deep, dude. It's like pretty impactful. Like you start out basically the first the first thing you see in the story is Peter Parker is a loser. And then the last pa- two panels you see, he's crying and he's walking away sad in the night, dude. Right. Like, that's heavy stuff, dude. Yeah. For a hero comic, this stuff didn't happen ever, right. dude. That's crazy that, like, they did this. And, I mean, he's crying. He's. It's basically the, the, the story of a loser kid who wants to be cool so bad and that cost him the life of his uncle, basically, right? Like, right, yeah. And, and, and then the weight of that is the last two panels is him feeling the weight of him wanting to be popular, wanting to be cool so bad, and it completely it that killed he, his uncle. Yeah, he traded everything. He, like he sold, basically made a deal with the devil. I right. mean, not not realistic, you know, not really, but but that's what it, it it kind of turns on him because yeah, like you said, he like he wants to be cool so bad he's willing to give anything, and then he gives the life of his uncle yeah. to do it. Yeah, that's so crazy to me, dude. And like, you gotta like wonder. You know, from here, you know, where do they go? Because to me, this this story is so impactful. It's like, I haven't read the second story. We probably should have for this, but um, the follow-up to this. But right now, it's just like, the reason he's going to go, basically, it's it's guilt that's going to mo- uh, motivate everything right. he ever does for the rest of his heroic career. Right. right. Yeah, definitely. Which I think is is you know if if we consider like Batman's origin um, and his parents being killed, Batman isn't so um, turned by by guilt but by grief, right? Yeah. Like so he's he is turned on crime because he's like pissed or vengeance, vengeance, yeah. 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 Whereas like Spider Man, very similar but not the same. And and I think driving Spider Man uh, because of a different motive like guilt uh, makes you do different things. Um, I, I think that's why, like, that's why Spider-Man doesn't use fear to in in uh, to stop crime. You know, he uses his intelligence because he wants to use it for good, because of the fact that he didn't use what he had originally to to wrong the right, right, or so, right the wrong. Yeah, he learned his lesson, um, and so now he's going to live the rest of his life. Um, and that that's it's weird. So this was like, I don't know if this was ever a saying before Stanley put it in these boxes, but the great power, great responsibility, that thing's become like, like a everyday saying, like you right. hear it all the time. There's people um, that don't even know that that came from a Spider-Man comic. Right. I was listening to some podcast the other day and they're like, they were like debating for a second, like which philosopher said, like with great power comes Stanley the philosopher. And I'm like the whole time, I'm like, dude, that was from Spider-Man. And yeah. Finally somebody said, in the podcast, they were like, I think that was from Spider-Man. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know if that was, like, a saying that went around, but that's a pretty impactful, like, thing. It's just, you know, he's just, he had to grow up really fast in this, right. you know what I mean? Well, and to bring it back to Ditko, you know, um, this last page, the the biggest panel, um, I think, is really impressive. I mean, the, the guy's knocked out. Spider-Man realizes who it is, and there's, like, some... Not, I don't want to say spider sense, but there's like these little like squiggles around his head, and he like realizes, oh my gosh, like what have I done? And and if and I tried to go back and and look through the panels without reading the dialogue because I wanted to see see it through Steve Ditko's eyes, um, you know, uh, doing it the Marvel way where you know he draws it and then eventually the word balloons are are filled in, and 
um, the story still makes sense the way that that it was written um, with dialogue. Um, I, I don't know if it's because I read the dialogue first and, and then and then went back and did it, but but if I look at it, I mean, this is true storytelling um, w- through picture. I mean, I, if I took away the dialogue, I could understand what ta- what's happened. Right. You know, essentially, uh, for the most part. I mean, um, it's it's conveyed so well. And again, you know, like um, it's the the movement of the of the characters aren't super exaggerated um, to the way that like you know Kirby would be, but you can definitely see the motion and and you can I don't want to say feel the movement, but but um, you can definitely tell there is uh, fluidity with the characters. Um, there is movement going on. Um, just in the way that he has has drawn it. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, there's a ton of energy in this still, right. even though it's not the same energy as Kirby has. This is just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's he's really Dicko's really special at what he was able to do, and not but not in the same way as Kirby. And he wasn't like I said, it wasn't necessarily pretty all the time. Um, uh, in fact, after this, um, after Steve Dicko decided to leave Spider Man, um, uh, John Buscema took it over. And he he said that he had the hardest time not making Spider-Man look heroic because like that's what you do with superhero comics, and that was what was so cool about him is there's like um, there's a couple of panels where Spider-Man there's one right like look at that him swinging he yeah. looks like just a kid swinging like, right he doesn't look like a hero he's always in weird contortions which is cool because people carried you know on with that. But like this, this picture of him when the bad guy is running past him, the uh, the thief is running past him. He just looks like a dude in a costume. Yeah, standing there. Yeah, doing he, nothing. He's not buff. He's he's holding like some clothes or something, but he's in his costume, and it's so not heroic. And, it, and I think that that's so cool. And yeah, John Buscema said he had the hardest time doing that. And eventually, they went to a Peter Parker who was like handsome, you know, like. Yeah. The one I started reading in the '90s was like Todd McFarlane's Peter Parker, and he was like the coolest dude he in the world, swab. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was like get, nailing Mary Jane every single day and stuff, right? And yeah, that's not the Peter Parker that this is. And the thing is, is like um, you make a good point with that because I can only th- see two images that I think are clearly like heroic looking. Um, there's one of him like shooting webs without his costume on. I think that looks like more of a heroic right. stance, and then there's one um, at the very end of the of the book, and he's like standing, and I don't know if it's just the way the print is, but it looks like he's kind of like posing, like with his chest up, and he's shooting the uh, the light post right before that part where he's swinging. Right. That looks somewhat heroic, like he's like a little bit more confident there. Yeah. But other than that, like every other one, he's kind of slumped over, and he doesn't really like he doesn't stand tall. Because you know he's he's used to being the you know the the small guy on campus, you know that was one thing that I think even when people did try to make him like a dork as Peter Parker, they never carried that over into the costume ever, like every comic I've read out other than Steve Ditko ones of Spider man he's super heroic, and even Steve Ditko did end up doing some heroic stuff with Spider man but it was cool, though, because he eventually learned to be more heroic, you right, know? so they would make sense he would grow into confidence and, and kind of learn his powers right become more yeah. so it's been a long time since i read any of this uh the or the actual origin story um but today um i had a little bit of time so i re- i ended up um watching all of the um spider-man movies uh the the first ones so like the toby Maguire one the garfield what's that guy's andrew name? garfield andrew garfield one and then the tom holland one and i watched 
like the first you know 20 minutes of all those just to compare to this origin story well the tom holland one doesn't have an origin story at all in it and um and that's why it's cool kelly you haven't seen that one nope haven't seen it yeah didn't see the andrew garfield one didn't see andrew garfield nope why not dude um well if you must know i must um a long time ago i was i was a pretty huge fan of spider-man and um when i actually started reading more of his comics um i started to like get really sick of the dialogue and i i don't know if it if it if it goes directly back to the specific writers like j michael straczynski's spider-man i can't stand um and so i kind of just like threw in the towel i'm like you know what i'm so sick of spider-man and i understand part of his character is like being a loud mouth and like taunting the villain and and all that but i was just like sick of it and so um i decided that i no longer like spider-man and I would not give him a chance. And uh, so you just didn't watch the movies at all. So I, so I've seen Tobey Maguire because that that was before I got into that mode of like not liking Spider Man, and I stuck to my guns. And I don't I haven't seen the only Spider Man I've seen of any of the new ones is from the Avengers, um, you know, Civil War and uh, Ultron and Ultron and oh, was it Ultron or he Thanos? Was, he was in Age of Ultron. Yeah, that was yeah that was Thanos. Okay. Oh no! Wait, no. I'm stupid. Ultron is not Thanos. Ultron be Thanos. Ultron is not Thanos. It's called the the Gauntlet, Infinity Gauntlet. Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Or no, Infinity War. Infinity War. Thank Gosh, you. Dude. <laughs> okay, um, we didn't put this disclaimer at the beginning, but Just, we are not professionals, yeah. <laughs> and we messed up on the movies, not the comic books, right? right? And that's what yeah, matters. exactly. We will mess up on comic books, though. Don't we, worry. Yes, we definitely will. So if you if you feel like uh, we made a mistake, let us know. We'll we'll try and correct that and, and let you know that we've corrected it. Okay, so you saw anyway, so, uh, the Thanos movie. So yeah, so and that's the only thing I've seen of any current Spider Man film. Um, other than that, like I, the only Spider Man movies I know are, are Tobey Maguire and I couldn't stand Spider Man three. Um, Dude, I, so here's the deal. I respect you for sticking to your guns, uh-huh. Callie. You, you always do that. You're always you're always one who sticks to his guns. I don't. I stick to everybody's guns. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, like yeah. Right now, yeah, so I think that that's table. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your gun is a little sticky. Um, so, uh, but you really should watch the Tom Holland Spider Man, dude. It's good. Um, it's maybe good. I'll give it a chance. You should give it a chance. Okay. So it's not it's not this guy. It, it's not at all, actually. It's not the Spider Man we just read, but it is good. I think it's a good movie. I was going to say, it, it, it seemed like because of the way that society is kind of turned, um, it, it feels like it's more of a Spider-Man that already has confidence. Right. Like yeah, he's he already is, like yeah. a cool kid. Um, and well, I, he, was, he isn't cool, but he's super confident. Okay. Yeah. He's not cool. Cause he, he still doesn't really, he fit, but he fits in with his own crowd. In this one, this dude didn't have. A yeah, he has no crowd. Yeah, yeah exactly. he's like all by himself. Right. And uh, and so I mean, the thing about the Tobey Maguire, it felt more like this Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, and that he legitimately was like just like this loner loser guy. Except he did have a couple friends, I think, uh, in the because. Well, he had uh, the Goblin. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so. Dude, uh, as I was watching it today, mm-hmm. dude, um, I I've been in my mind. I hated on the Tobey Maguire movies, right? Like I just thought uh, the uh, Tobey Maguire bugs me, and so I thought that they weren't good. But dude, uh, watching the origin, the first Tobey Maguire, yeah. dude, he is this guy. Yeah, he saw. totally is. Yeah. yeah, he plays he, it perfectly. He, he he wasn't a great Spider-Man, but he was a really good Peter Parker, dude, and he plays the exact one that we just read. And I think that in Andrew Garfield wasn't that. Andrew Garfield was like this, like, hipster skater kid, uh, like, 
who like didn't have any friends, but it was cool. Like he was mysterious because he didn't have any friends. Like right. Like there was an intrigue there, and so like he wasn't. He definitely wasn't what we read, and Andrew uh, and uh, Tom Holland. He isn't like we talked about. He's really confident and stuff, and he's spunky and things. And there's iterations of Spider-Man that do fit him better. Um, but this one, I gotta say, dude, I gotta hand it to Tobey Maguire. He played this guy like the opening scene of the Tobey Maguire movie is a lot like this. He's he's running for the bus, right? He misses right. the bus, and basically, so he's on the outside of all the kids that are on the inside of this. So it's right. a lot like the opening splash page of this um, this one. And he just doesn't have any friends, and his he's living with his super old. That's the other thing is they've de-aged Aunt May every time. Right. Like with the Andrew Garfield ones, it was Sally Fields, but they she didn't have white hair. She had like you know dyed black hair, or whatever. So she looked younger. And then with the Tom Holland one, it's Marissa Tomei who's even younger. She's hot in this. In fact, Tony Stark has a hearty for her. Right. And uh, yeah, so like as far as staying true to the comic. Um, Tony McGuire. Yeah, well, yeah, and Sam Raimi, who the director oh, yeah, is, he, he's yeah. obviously a Spider-Man fan. You could tell. So, um, yeah, actually, I was really impressed with that. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing, but uh, yeah. So, and another thing that's interesting is, uh, did we already talk about this? What? Um, where in the movies they fall asleep? Um, so, no. Well, when, wait, wait, oh, yeah, we did we mention did, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. in the first one, Tobey Maguire uh, gets bit by a spider. Um, he's he's uh, on a class field trip, uh, and he's taking pictures. He gets bit by a spider. All right. Um, on the second one, uh, he's going to this lab to visit, and Gwen Stacy happens to work there, right? And it's the lizard's lab. Oh uh, yeah. But it's also his dad's old lab. That's the other thing I didn't like about the Andrew Garfield one is they 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 showed his parents, which it is weird. That, it is weird that like you don't see his parents in this, you know? And he's so sad over his uncle dying, but you know where his parents right like his parents probably died at some point right um but uh yeah so i i um but the andrew garfield one they his parents are actually part of the story which i don't know i don't i don't like i don't need to know about his parents i don't ask where huey dewey and louie's parents are right right yeah they, they just, hang out they with just uncle scrooge there. and uncle right. donald um and and it's okay so yeah i didn't love i I actually liked the Andrew Garfield ones when they came out, but like watching them all back to back, those are my least favorite now. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I'm glad that um, you know they they could make a, a, uh, I thought the Tobey Maguire movies were decent. Um, you know, film about what Steve Ditko, and Stanley uh, created. Um, so yes, uh, that is our review of Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. All right, welcome to this segment, Key to Me. Uh, for those of you that don't know what Key to Me is, it is a uh, single issue or a storyline that is important to us and our own personal um, uh, fan time or time as a fan of comics. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed, it's fan time. It's okay. fan time. So um, that's essentially what Key to Me is. It's not necessarily something that's important to comics as a whole, but something important to us, whether from our childhood, adulthood, um, Womanhood. Womanhood. <laughs> Any kind of hood you can think of. <laughs> the hood. Okay, um, so mine this time was um, 
Secret Origins, starring Blue Beetle by Len Wein and Gil Kane. Dude. The, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. I no. just have to interrupt you. Did, yeah. did you ever read these Secret Origins books other than this one? Um, I think I've read uh, maybe two others. Oh, yeah. And I, that's, but that's, dude, I yeah. loved those when I was a kid, dude. Because, like, there's a new DC. DC. I was attracted to DC because of the amount of characters that you would see. Like, Marvel maybe had the same amount, but, like, uh, you would just see, like, um, with the Justice League and the Justice Society and the oh, Teen yeah. Titans, you just see so many characters. And I guess Marvel's the same. They had the X-Men and stuff. I just didn't gravitate towards that. But I, I love the Secret Origins because, like, you'd see this character. Like, I remember being completely taken with, like, Dr. Fate, for example, without even knowing anything about him. I'm just like, dude, this guy looks awesome. Yeah, just his look. Is, yeah. yeah. Right. And then so then you could see, like, a Secret Origins book, and you're like, oh, well, I can right here find out about this guy. And I thought that they were so cool for that. And the Who's Who books were good for that, too. Yeah, definitely. And they're kind of like a uh, little, like, one-issue encyclopedias about the character. And the cool thing, one of the things I love about DC um, is the legacy of the characters. And one thing specifically about this the specific one is the legacy of the Blue Beetle 1 to the Blue Beetle 2, which is Ted Kord. Um, I love that. Like, you did see that a lot in, um, again, I was a DC guy. So right. in DC, you did see, you saw a lot of that. You saw that with Green Lantern, The Flash, you know, like, you was, Robin was another one that got handed down. Mm-hmm. And it was cool to be able to see different characters as the same hero. Right. I Yeah, it's it's pretty rad because, you know, and, and it, I mean, it's different takes on the same characters you love and um, just kind of like the different ways you can explore them. So um, just one thing I want to bring up in this title page, I'm going to make this quick, but um, Len Wein uh, gives a tip. He says, uh, with a tip of the hat to Joe, Joe Gill, Tony Tolerico, um, DC, Glansman, and Steve Ditko. And the reason why I picked this is because Steve Ditko actually um, – either created or co-created i know that discredits me because i don't know which for sure but he actually came up with uh ted cord which is um well he's one of my favorite co- uh characters uh him and booster gold have a really cool relationship too, but dude. i yeah. love those guys too together they're, yeah, they're awesome yeah it's i mean it's such they're such fun reading um i remember i used to sorry to detract no you're quick, good but, okay. um they had did you ever read justice league europe Oh uh, yes, day. yeah. And they were both on Justice League Europe, dude, for for whatever reason. But I thought that the, they were like so awesome together. I, so yeah, that actually, maybe another one of my key to me. I'll have to save that. Yeah, one you for, should. Yeah, yeah. find find one that you like. Um, yeah, in fact, I think they were also in that uh, storyline. Uh, I can't believe it's not the Justice League. Hmm, I don't know I, if I read that one. I, I I know Blue Beetles in it, but I don't I don't remember Booster Booster Gold as part of that team. But hmm. um, I'll have to bring it so you can take a look. But um, yeah, Ted Cord is awesome i mean he uh creates the bb gun anyway um i just i just really like the look of ted cord and mm. and the thi- uh his blue beetle and the thing is like he he has a very similar appearance to spider-man i mean obviously not like the webbing on his suit but the mask um you know even though it's like a cowl um but the one of the opening pages you know he's he's swinging on his uh his blue beetle ship um the bug is what it's called and um Anyway, I picked this one to read uh, because of the fact that um, Steve Ditko did create Ted Kord. And um, because he's one of my favorite characters, I decided that this would be a a good issue to read. So if you can find Secret Origin, uh, Secret Origins number two, 
came out in May of 1986. Well, that's the cover date, so it probably came out, um, what, February or something, right. 86. Uh, the Blue Beetle. So real quick, mm-hmm. dude. Um, so you say that it shows it has both the Blue Beetles in there, okay, right? Okay, so, yeah. So how it starts off is essentially um, – Man, I'm so bad because I just read. Uh, let's see. Daniel Garrett is the original Blue Beetle, and he is an arche- um, archaeologist. And uh, Ted Court happens to be one of the students in one of his college uh, classes. So um, Ted Court basically talks to him about archaeology and how cool it is. And the guy's like, "Well, I don't think you really, you know, belong in archaeology because you're aren't you more of like a science, like a different type of science guy?" And he's like, "Yeah." So anyway, it focuses on Dan Garrett going to Egypt, and he goes to a tomb where he finds a blue scarab on the on this uh, car- sarcophagus sarcophagus of a um of a mummified um guy uh, i can't remember the guy's name uh they say it a few times but and he's supposed to be like this really evil uh sarcophagus like this evil ruler so he grabs it and he goes into this like almost comatose state and uh when he does he learns if he speaks this word he gets he basically gets the power of the blue beetle and he is able to fly shoot laser beams from his eyes super strong and he fights this like gigantic mummy this mummy grows and he like fights it and destroys it basically um and then it kind of like shows him like a splash page of him fighting these other characters or or implying that he's fought these other villains um which is some crazy golden age type characters um, the rampaging red knight, the praying mantis man, um, magno man. Anyway, um, and so a few years later, uh, so it, it zooms to a few years later where he stopped being the blue beetle, and Ted Cord knocks on his door and he's like, "Hey, come on in, Ted." Like you know, he remembers him as a student, and Ted Cord realizes that he helped his uncle create um, something very dangerous, and so he basically helps him. Um, he, he helps him basically coaches him to become the blue beetle that, that we know, uh, Ted Cord to be the, uh, the blue beetle that we know up to. So maybe I missed it. Why did uh-huh. the first one decide to stop? Um, because I think he just kind of, I don't really, actually, I don't know if it really tells, let me see if hmm. it says it. Cause I can't remember. Maybe it's apparently, just... Oh, his mission apparently ended. The blue beetle vanishes from the public eye and into the mists of legend. So maybe just, he just decided to stop. Right. And it was a teacher instead. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure it has something to do with like when, uh, the, the golden age became the silver age and, and Charlton, you know, Charlton comics decided to revamp the blue beetle. Um, the one thing that is interesting is that Dan Garrett, oh sorry, had all these like superpowers uh, bestowed upon him by the Blue Beetle, but uh, the Blue Scarab. But for some reason, Ted Cord couldn't tap into the Blue Scarab's uh, mm. powers. So um, all of Ted Cord's powers, well, he really doesn't have any. He's more of like an intellect that creates gadgets. So he uses gadgets like I said, the BB gun, which is like kind of a concussive blast type of gun that knocks people out. Um, he has a ship name the bug that like kind of floats over cities and and he can you know uh, hop out of it um he's you know he's athletic but he doesn't really have superpowers per se like the original blue beetle did Hmm. interesting and the other thing that was kind of weird too is that the original blue beetle um you know it's dan garrett and then he says the word kajida and he becomes blue beetle um almost like how shazam or like uh, miracle man Mm. Um, transformed too, which I thought was kind of an interesting trope that they've used on quite a few different characters. So, anyway, that's uh, Secret Origins Blue Beetle. 
Nice, dude. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, I love the Blue Beetle, man. He's awesome. Uh, he's always been one of my favorite. I was originally attracted to him just because his costume design was so cool. Yeah. Which, obviously, that's Steve Ditko that did that. So. Right. Dude, his costume designs were so freaking original, man. Like, you didn't see costumes like the ones he did. Right. Oh, yeah, like the, the eyes, or like yeah. the, the yellow bug goggles, yeah. you know? It's just... I think it would be a really fun Halloween costume. Dude, we're cosplay. People cosplay now. I um not me. I I kind of am against the cosplay scene. You should um, save that for next time we do the. Oh yeah, the, the rant my rant. Okay, yeah. I, maybe I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Halloween costume, yes. Cosplay, I'm out. Okay, so my key to me issues is actually a run of issues, um, and it is um, the Batman Hush storyline, uh, written by Jeff Loeb and drawn by Jim Lee. And I'm not going to get into it um, because I don't want to spoil anything for those who haven't read it and those who have. Well, you already know what's going on. But um, I was into comics uh, growing up through high school through the 90s. I uh, got out of it when the bubble burst, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you know, the death of Superman happened and all the image stuff was happening. Um, so I got out of it at that point. So that was um, mid-90s, probably. Mid to, yeah. Yeah, 95 I think is when I stopped um, and then uh, I remember I didn't really read comics at all I still had my old comics occasionally I would open up um, but then uh, I ended up going to San Diego for some family thing um, and I remember uh, think rem- I, I remember you know that they had the San Diego comic-con and I was like oh dude I wonder when that's going on uh, because comic-con was always a big deal uh, back when I was a comic collector. Um, so uh, I ended up just going down to the convention center. Uh, or no, we were down in that old district, actually. And I saw that it was going on. That's what it was. And so I walked up to the convention center. That is cool, man. Yeah. Dude, and dude, I bought a ticket there at the convention center. Are you like, serious? I went up walked to the up ticket and booth a ticket. and bought a ticket and got in, dude, right? That's crazy, right? Because yep. now yeah. it's sold out in days, dude. Yeah, you can't even get in if you yeah. don't buy a ticket. Yeah, dude, that's insane. Dude, they go on sale like right after Comic-Con ends, uh-huh. from what I understand. And then, yeah, basically within days it's sold out, dude. But yeah, this was, I think, 2003. I went up and just bought a ticket, dude, and got in. It was the weirdest Insane. thing. Insane. Yeah, right? That is crazy. Uh, so, but, yeah, and I'd been out of comics for a long time, so I remember just walking around the floor just being, like, blown away, dude. I was just like, oh, this is so cool. This is everything I ever wanted it to be. And now it's not that anymore. But uh, during that time, it was <laughs> that. And I was just so stoked, dude. And I got into every single panel I wanted to get into. I didn't have to, like, wait in line. I just walked in. Hall H is the big one where they do everything. I remember I just walked right in there, dude, like, and just sat down. You know, I didn't have to wait in line or anything. There was tons of open seats. It's crazy, dude. That is crazy. And it's not that anymore. But uh, so anyway, um, when I was um, into comics before that, I was really into uh, image comics, right? And I loved um, everything, uh, Spawn, Wildcats, Youngblood, Savage Dragon. I loved all those. Not Shadowhawk. Black Shadowhawk flag. freaking sucks. I love Shadowhawk Black does flag. suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Yeah, all those others I loved. And uh, so I'm walking by this table, and I'm starting to see this Batman Jim Lee stuff. And I'm like, what? Like, dude. In my, like, I was like, dude, all these guys left the big two, right, to go start their own thing. And I didn't know that any of them have gone back. Some of them went back really soon. Rob Liefeld went back. Oh, yeah. And Jim Lee actually went and did Heroes Reborn. Like, Wall Image was still in full, like, blast. Swing, yeah. yeah. So... 
But I didn't know about that. So I just saw this Jim Lee Batman stuff. And I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Because I knew Jim Lee's X-Men stuff. His Marvel, you know, he did some Punisher I knew. Mm-hmm. And then Wildcats. But I didn't know, he hadn't done DC at all up to that point. And seeing him do that, I was just like, dude, I need to get this. So I bought a trade right there on the spot and I I remember going back to my hotel room that night and just being like totally blown away because I mean I love Jim Lee I think he's still great dude I mean he has his own style you know that I think certain you know it's very formulaic I guess and some some people couldn't make fun of it but dude the guy's like oh but he's amazing, yeah he's great yeah, yeah. and uh so when I saw him doing that and I'd never heard of Jeff Loeb before at that point well I did watch <laughs> Teen Wolf, but didn't oh, yeah. know that he had, that was the same guy. Um, but uh, it, yeah. are you sure that's not the guy that created Movie Score? <laughs> what? What's Movie Score? <laughs> I'm just no, because of the last episode. Anyway, it's just a joke callback. Because we were talking about. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. Keep going, and I'll we'll go back to it in a minute here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I don't remember this. Tell me. No, because um, we're talking about uh, Warren Ellis or something. Oh yeah, the yeah, movie scores. A, yeah. I thought you were when I when I heard movie score. I thought you were talking about like a Rotten Tomatoes. Score. Oh no 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 no. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. That's a we'll we need to offer later, a yeah. formal uh, retraction <laughs> um, to um, last episode for those constant listeners. Um, I had mentioned that Warren Ellis um, also helped out with movie scores. Um, with uh, I didn't actually say this, but I mentioned the movie, or I described the movie, and it was about uh, prohibition and bootlegging. Uh, I still don't know what the name of the movie is. <laughs> Tom Hardy was in it and Shia LaBeouf. Anyway, <laughs> I said that Warren Ellis helped with the score of that with Nick Cave. Um, nope. It turns out that's a whole different Warren Ellis. And we have this really annoying listener uh, <laughs> named... Um, uh, we probably shouldn't say his name, um, but we have this really annoying listener that likes to like point out all the horrible, awful, Fraud. wrong things we say. Yeah, and he let us know about that. He also let me know that it was a hundred percent sure that uh, that Green Arrow shot a kryptonite um, arrow <laughs> at Superman when I was trying to say that it was mixed with some other chemical. heart attack chemical. Yeah. yeah, so I was wrong on that. Okay, thank you, annoying <laughs> listener, and. Uh, I hope you're rotten hell. So, uh, back onto this thing. So, um, yeah, so I'd never heard of Jeff Loeb before. Um, and so I started reading Hush and I was just like, you know, the story still, I, I liked the story. Still wasn't, I, I still don't think it was mind blowing, but it was enough to get me back into comics, dude. And I remember I picked up a few other comics, like I went the next day and picked up a few more and then came home and then just went to my comic shop and it was fully the reason I got back into comics was because of Batman. That's uh, awesome. Hush. Yeah. And uh, Jeff Loeb, I went on to read some of his stuff. Dude, I went and reread all of my Jeff Loeb stuff recently. Mm-hmm. So it was fun for a long time to hate on Jeff Loeb. A lot of people did that. And yeah. I even did it to a certain extent. And and his stuff is really um, kind of sometimes cheesy, sometimes um, formulaic. Um, but I went and reread... Um, Spider-Man Blue. I reread Superman for all seasons. I love that book. And Daredevil. Daredevil Yellow. And, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one's good too. But dude, Spider-Man for uh, Superman for all seasons. I mean, Spider-Man for all seasons. <laughs> we should do that book. <laughs> uh, Superman for all seasons was a, so good, dude. I yeah. still love it. It still it's, holds it's, up, dude. Yeah. It's it's such a sweet book, and it's just like I I just loved it, man. So, yeah, Jeff Love is good. Um, I mean, now he's doesn't write comics anymore no he's I think, yeah, he's yeah, a tv sure guy comic, yeah yeah he's like he the did, marvel tv well, stuff like hulk gray 
Yeah. And then he was going to start Captain America White, but I remember... A no, zero... they did it, dude. The whole thing? Yeah. No. Yeah, dude. They It came out like four or five years ago. Like, it was <sighs> like... Like six or seven years after the, the that zero issue. issue. Yeah. yeah. So that's the one I remember. But no, I had they the ended up issue, doing but... it, dude. Yeah. Dude, not to go find it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Don't know where you were, man. Well. Uh, you did, that was during your time where you checked out of Marvel, dude. Yeah, so I think like, it is. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, yeah, so they did end up doing that. And, and it was okay, but I think they were trying to live up to that other stuff. That and, they yeah. Do. That other stuff was so good. Yeah. I mean, Spider Man Blue is like, dude. That that's such a good book. That's what that's where. Uh, so I wasn't reading comics when Gwen Stacy was a thing. Uh, when I first started reading Spider Man, it was it was Mary Jane, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I didn't have the love for Gwen Stacy that a lot of people did, but that that book gives you the love for Gwen. Oh Stacey, yeah, definitely. You know? Yep. So yeah, so that was uh, I really I I think that book's still beautiful, the Hush book, and I, it brought me. It was important for Jim Lee, obviously, because oh, yeah. now he's like the head dude at, Mar- at DC, right? Yep. Um, and uh, but it was important for me because that's what brought me back in, dude. And like, that was a good time for comics because, dude, it was when I left comics, it was the writers or it was the artists that were controlling everything, right? It was all right. about the artists, and so you didn't get a lot of story in a lot of these books, right? But like, um, that's as I was leaving comics, as the bubble burst. But as I was coming back in, as, as they were rebuilding, and say what you will about Marvel, but I think Marvel, during that time, the early 2000s, from 2000 on, dude, they made, they brought comics back, dude. Like, Joe Quesada, when he was the yeah. dude. And, you know, say what you will about Bendis, too. Like, Bendis really helped with that early stuff. I, I can't stand most of his Bendis stuff nowadays, but that early stuff, like, dude, they really brought comics back from, like, Death. near bankruptcy yeah, yeah. dude uh, to, to be good and that's when I was as I was just getting back into it then I was more interested you know in oh, writers I'm like oh who's writing these things because these books are so good they're taking them seriously now and it's not just like over the top right so so yeah so that's mine so all right welcome to the next segment Okay, so um, we decided that my ranting sessions will only happen every other episode or every couple because um, I don't want to run out of material. But so, we still want to have something negative in our podcast. Exactly, right? something negative. <laughs> so this new segment is called What Not to Read. So it's a review on something we hope you don't read or would it encourage you not to if you look at a comic and you're like, oh, I might even want to pick this up. My issue that I picked is Haunt Number 1 by Image Comics. Todd McFarlane, co-creation with Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley on pencils, and Greg Capullo as layouts. And McFarlane on inks. And McFarlane on inks, yes, indeed. So um, this storyline is essentially about, uh, well, the first issue anyway, has a cover of a guy that looks kind of like Spawn Spider-Man-ish looking. Shooting milk from his hands um, at you. It's coming at you with milk. Um, he doesn't kind of look like Spider-Man. He 100%. He like, is Spider-Man. The pose is Spider-Man, yeah. and he has stuff shooting out just like webs, basically. Yeah, except it's milk. Yeah. Well, it looks like milk, but it's webbing. You're right. Um, so, essentially, there's a character in here that's a... Uh, he's a mercenary. Well, it opens up with like a priest banging a prostitute, and then... Uh, this mercenary guy, and he's running through this uh, little, um, like, 
I don't know what, like a prison. And he finds all of these people that are like um, been mutated because of experiments. So uh, he ends up killing the doctor and uh, runs through, uh, shoots his way out and um, comes in to talk to this priest. I believe it's his brother though. I believe the priest is his brother. So it's a mercenary and a priest, they're brothers. Um, well, anyway, uh, he keeps flashing back to different, uh, different scenes uh, one of him being, one of them being him being tortured, and um, he ends up. I believe he ends up being killed. Um, the thing is, the priest and the and the mercenary brother look very similar. Uh, but anyway, the priest goes to a funeral, which I believe is his brother, um, and he's at home, laying down, and he um, basically is overtaken by this venom type of material it looks like he's choking on a ton of milk or semen or something it's like in his nose and his mouth and it's like a symbiote and uh it basically turns him into this creeper not creeper but like a spider-man looking dude steve ditko created the creeper yes i know yeah. that's yeah that's why i didn't want to shame steve <laughs> ditko on this book here uh so it basically encircles him makes him like a spider-man type character and um he jumps through, rips some guys' heads off, and it just is crap. Um, the artwork, Ryan Otley does a good job on art, but the story is still re reminiscent of the 90s image stuff where it's just like really no like good story. It's just mostly about the artwork. So why why would you not read it? Because the story is just so stupid? Yeah. I just, yeah. And because of the sperm milk hands? Spill, sperm milk hands, yep. It's, it's basically just another iteration of like a violent Spider-Man. Right, slash, that, slash spawn. Yep, and I, I don't know if, if Robert or I don't know if <laughs> Todd McFarlane can come up with anything other than Spawn or Spider Man. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I mean, that's basically what Spawn is: is Spider Man with a cape that can do stuff. So, so, <laughs> so Todd McFarlane can only come up with Spawn. He didn't come up with Spider Man. First of all, we spent a whole episode <laughs> saying about talking about the dude who did come up with Spider Man. <laughs> So, uh, artwork, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, I love Ryan Otley. He's one of my favorite artists. Dude, the dude is like, uh, he's so clean and crisp. And so, that's the one thing I didn't like about that haunt book is that McFarland's inks are really sloppy and they've actually gotten sloppier um, with time. Uh, in the 90s, he used a lot of detail and actually, that's what I liked about it. But now he just he's like really sloppy whenever I see him do inks and stuff. So yeah, it's just like scribbles, dude. It yeah, looks like crap. Yeah. So um, yeah, and and Otley's style is really clean and crisp. So it definitely is not. It clashes. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look. Uh, yeah, and you can tell it's Ryan Otley, but like the inks just. I don't know, man. You make a good point, Spencer. Yeah. It's just it's. Yeah, it's, it's not too much. good. Yeah, it doesn't work for Otley's style. No, yeah. not at all. But it, uh, at the same time, like I gotta like. Otley loved McFarlane growing up. That's one of his biggest influences. Um, and so and so did Kirkman. Kirkman loved the early image stuff. So if nothing else, it was just a thing for them to do. To right. Like, you know, a labor really of cool. love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So for that, it's cool. Okay, mine is going, my um, what not to read is going to be uh, Batman number 50 from the current uh, Batman series. The Wedding of Batman and Catwoman. <laughs> I had a hard time saying the wedding, uh, but okay. So when this was being advertised, I thought this is the stupidest gimmickiest thing ever. Obviously they're not going to stay married is what I thought. Um, 
and they're just like it's just another way for DC to try to do uh, dude DC is like just I swear they feel they don't even know what they're doing the weird thing is is I just talked sung Jim Lee's praises I I have been known in the past to sing, sing Jeff John's praises right but those guys now I think dude they need to go man they're yeah. like they've got the worst ideas dude uh, they're, they're trying to be hip and stuff and and maybe I'm the wrong audience for this maybe they have somebody that they maybe they're there's newer younger millennials that are loving this stuff but maybe I yeah I don't know well that's the thing like that really rubbed me wrong and I I don't mean to interject on your segment here uh, but you know it's um, like that's the one thing that turned me off of Marvel for so long is so many gimmicks right. and just like not really appealing. I don't know. They just didn't appeal to me. And so, but DC starting to turn that way. I mean, there's there's definitely uh, books here and there that are great, but for the most mm. part, like the majority is is just going downhill. And it's like creators that like I respect, and I, it's just I think it's the people from on top giving the direction that's making these creators that I like do stupid stuff. Right. Anyway, so. Um, I'm gonna have to do throw in a spoiler alert, okay? So I'm going to spoil the hell out of this issue for you. Do turn us off, delete our podcast subscription <laughs> if you if you want to read this and not have it spoiled. Okay. That said, this has been advertised for months. Um, that is the wedding. You're cordially invited. That was their thing, right? You're yep. cordially invited to the wedding of uh, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle. Uh, Anyway, so first of all, I didn't necessarily want this. I didn't want them to get married. I didn't care. I do really, one of my favorite characters growing up was the Huntress. So part of me does like this because the Earth 2 Huntress or whatever was like the Bruce Wayne. Of them, yeah. yeah. So I do like the fact that they could be getting together for that reason. <clears throat> anyway, but I didn't need it. I didn't need that in my Batman story. So I thought it was kind of lame. But anyway, I read it just to see what it was about. And spoiler alert. Um, they don't get married in the end. What? <laughs> I know, right? This thing that they've been advertising, they show a wedding invitation and everything, and they don't they don't end up getting married. They they both pussy out. They uh, well, I think it, uh, it almost seems like Bruce Wayne showed up for the wedding, but Catwoman didn't um, because Bruce Wayne was on a on a building with with Alfred, right? And yeah. Then, and, and, the, and, and the judge. Catwoman was on a different building. Yeah, and the judge. So yeah, she was like a runaway bride basically, um, but. Okay, so let me talk about the good stuff about this. They brought back artists who've worked on Batman in the past. Uh, so, like, Neil Adams, Tim Sale. Um, Lee Bermejo. Yeah, Lee Bermejo. Uh, Weeks. Lee Weeks. Yeah, but I already said Neil Adams. So yep. I can't remember. Um, uh, David Finch. Um, so, uh, they had some awesome, like, pinups, right? And on these pinups, there was, like, a letter. Uh, Tom King was the writer of this. And he had um, a letter from... Catwoman to Batman and a letter from Batman to Catwoman they would alternate and there was they mirrored each other kind of uh, and I thought that was pretty cool I, I know, so I'm not going to fault Tom King on this I think it was actually written pretty well it was just the it was just a letdown to me but it, it was really cool to see um, oh and uh, that guy what's that guy's name <laughs> Paul uh, Pope Paul Pope yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry it's okay um, Paul Pope did um, some art on this it was awesome um, and anyway uh, so like there were parts of it I really liked it, we were talking about Jeff Loeb earlier this feels a lot like Jeff Loeb like the the, the Superman for all seasons Spider-Man Blue 
Mm-hmm. Even uh, was Daredevil, Daredevil Yellow written the same way, like as a letter to oh, somebody? Um, yeah, it was to his dad, I think. Okay. I think he wrote a yeah. letter to his dad. Yeah, so so and the, so it was very reminiscent of Jeff Loeb for that reason, um, which which I thought was cool. Um, uh, anyway, um, basically what happens is they're writing these letters to each other. They basically get to the um, the point where they're just like, well, uh, Catwoman is worried that if she marries Batman. He's not going to be Batman anymore. So she wants to finally be a hero because she hasn't been a hero her whole life. And so she doesn't show up because that's her heroic thing to do. Which, I don't know, dude. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, dude, you think that that would really make Batman not be Batman? Like, I could see the way Tom King was going. He's just like, well, Batman wouldn't need to do that anymore because he would have found love again. He would have found family again. He wouldn't need to do that. But... I mean, he's had family with Damien and, and like Alfred. Yeah, and Alfred and Jason. So, like, yeah, I, I mean, that's for the story it works, but for the overall thing with Batman, it, it's a cop out, dude. It's stupid. Right. And then I don't follow this current series, but the weird thing is, is basically Catwoman's buddy, who used to be her roommate, she gets out of Arkham. She's supposed to be the witness for this marriage, um, which eventually doesn't go down, obviously. So she returns to Arkham, and basically, Bane is sitting there with all of the um, villains. Um, one thing that was really cool is Psycho Pirate was in there. Yeah, Psycho Pirate's, yeah. I love Psycho Pirate, dude. Just for his, uh, his role in Crisis, dude. Yeah, That's I guess. Awesome. But yeah, I don't follow the new series, so I don't know why Batman, basically Bruce Wayne, or Bane is saying that the plan is going perfectly, right? He's saying the bat is broken, just like I made him. Um, Thomas so, Wayne's in there, and Thomas Wayne Batman is in there from Flashpoint. And I don't, I don't follow the current series. I actually loved that. I actually like that Flashpoint. Yeah, Flashpoint's series. awesome. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know how he's in the current continuity now. I, I but you guys feel free to write in. I, I probably still don't care, but um, <laughs> you can write in if you want. Um, but yeah, I thought that. I don't, it was just the thing that really rubbed me wrong about that is it was just um, so much hype. And, and and I knew it wouldn't last. Obviously, it won't last. But to have it not even happen during uh, with all the hype that they were giving, right? It was literally just trying to get you to buy the issue, right? And I would have, and I'm happy with it just based off of the fact that that it has cool art, you know, in it. The pinups um, are awesome. Yeah, a so lot of them. I feel like I did get my money's worth, but I just feel like it was misleading, right? So don't read that unless you want cool pinups, right? Right. Okay. Nate's Corner. Today on Nate's Corner, we pull out Detective Comics, Batman with Robin the Boy Wonder, March number 361. Nate's Corner is a special segment where we inter- er, review our friend Nate's comic books. Um, this It's called Nate's Corner as a tribute to our former podcast, if any of you uh, listen to that, Tales from the Parents' Basement. We have a friend named Nate who would do a little segment called Nate's Corner. Well, we're doing it now because Nate's Corner is now back in session. Yep, back in session. The second, the new class. So this issue 
the dynamic duo's double death trap. Did you tell what issue it was and the year? I did. Uh, March number 361. It was 12 cents. I don't know. Dude, <laughs> do you not know where to find the year? I years? know where to find the year. 1967. It is number 361, March 1967, published monthly by National Periodical Publications Incorporated, second and Dickey. Okay. <laughs> The dynamic duo's double death trap. The uh, first page, Batman and this thug are punching each other at the same time. Okay, rip that page out. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> and uh, it looks like somebody is trying to um, decode something by old um, rotary phone. And there's a like, penguin-looking guy. By the way, Kelly's pulling a Stan Lee right now because he's just looking at the art <laughs> and putting it in his own dialogue. So... Um, so as Batman and Robin drive in the Batmobile, they rush into the importing company to stop these villains, and they get in the fist fight. Pow, wham, pap, clap, and then you can see there's a collector's clapping. Swap. <laughs> okay, let's get a zoom in on that real quick. Swap. Swap. Oh. Yeah, for our Patreon subscribers, we're doing this on um, Marco, Marco Polo. Yep. Yeah. And if you want to be part of the Patreon, Marco Polo, uh, um, let us know your phone number. We'll add you, and you can watch it. (laughs) So Robin swings in, and they get in this big old fist fight between the guys. And then Batman shoots some jizz on Robin's face. He's like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) Can't believe it. Um, And then, like, some dude that looks like Penguin is sitting Smoking a joint. Smoking a joint. And he's like, hey, man, come on. Get that jizz off your face. (laughs) Zuck. This guy's reaching for a grenade. Click. <coughs> Kaboom. Swap. Anyway, they're getting these fights. It's pretty good action. Um, oh, and then there's a special backup issue of Elongated Man, the curious clue of the circus crook. And he punches so hard, Elongated Man's head stretches off of his body. Dang. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. I know. So basically, this comic. So, um, and then in old-fashioned tradition, after we read each comic, we will rip it up uh, because that's what we do. Yep, and we pee on it. And we pee on it and wipe our butts. Each that, other's butts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that was Nate's corner, number three sixty-seven, Detective Batman. All right, that about does it for the third episode of Keyback Issue Podcast. Um, I have been your host, Spencer. And I, Callie. And uh, thanks for um, joining us um, and putting up with our crap. And um, again, we just wanted to say rest in peace, Mr. Ditko, uh, wherever you are. Uh, thank you for everything that you gave us, man. And all the, yeah, the wonderful creations in that noggin of yours yep and uh for all of our patreon subscribers stay tuned (laughs) after this closing song for patreon uh only content and we do this on the honor system so if you're not a patreon subscriber turn off the podcast (laughs) exactly as soon as the music ends turn it off because you have not earned that last 20 seconds that's right and follow us on instagram keyback issue podcast yep And uh, see you in the funny pages. In the funny pages. Yes. High five. Woo!
now how does the sound sound how does the sound sound how does the sound sound look at those hey, waves i'm gonna get close to you yeah, go ahead. so we can do this yeah we're good hey welcome to my ball sack this welcome is... to spencer's ball sack <laughs> callie has made a home down there yep i live in spencer's musty sack how's the weather down there uh must it's uh humid okay um smells like nuts oh yeah <laughs> sounds like a good place to live dude <laughs> Um, a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. It's right. Okay. Yep. All right. Maybe Sounds a good. week. Okay. And that's what you get, Patreon subscribers. Thanks for subscribing. 